0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This
3: is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, hey, hey. Yaksha Come to you too over
2: You know, Billy, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Thanks for glad you noticing. It. It's a real pain. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs>
3: welcome to the show Christian Leitner.
2: Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage. And my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals—capusta, pompe, polie, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of a lot of a lot of Polish tradition there.
3: Yak Shamash, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. This is Jay Kokorowski. of course. This is proudly brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, you name it. Uh, for anything Badgers, we try to provide to you guys, and it's been a Long months on my end, and happy June to everybody. We This is June 5th, uh, Sunday night, and we are very excited to, uh, to talk to you guys. Uh, big news, uh, we're just waiting for the Polish Rifle Scott Wisniewski to phone in. Hopefully that will be uh, in the next minute or so. And also, 8.15, two great guys to talk to. we got Adam Rigg, Brewer Nation, or thebrewernation.com, you hear him as one of the Brewer Insiders on the Mike Heller Show on the Big 920, on the Big 1070 in the Milwaukee and Madison areas. you got Kurt Hogue, B5Q football basketball writer, but also right now working with MLB.com, covering the Milwaukee Brewers. Very proud of him. We'll have them come on in about, I'd say, about 13 minutes or so discuss and have some good times there, talking some Milwaukee Brewers baseball or what we can. Uh, and, you know, before we do that, let's uh, let's catch up a little bit. It's been a while. Thank you guys for tuning back in. I know it's been, like I said, it's been quite a while. And, you know, looking at this and, and we're looking at, uh, let's start back with some big news. And, and we'll start off with that. Uh, you guys may have seen on our website this morning, but... It is also uh, the talk about ESPN's college game day coming to Lambeau Field September 3rd, that Saturday, of course, the opening weekend of the college football season. And for those that don't know, uh, Barry Alvarez had hinted toward it earlier in the spring uh, and into the summer month, you know, upcoming summer months about just uh, Badgers uh, may get that quote-unquote home game feel with it. Uh, and and they may actually have that opportunity to have a college game day, which which technically it's not on campus, let's just say that. It'll be at Lambeau Field, but it will have that hometown feel, sort of like how Houston was for LSU. Uh, But it appears like, uh, according to Kirk Herbstreit, uh, on the Doug Gottlieb show, it appears that it is coming. Uh, We are still waiting on that. Uh, The official confirmation, let me just say that from ESPN and from UW, but that looks like a lot of fun for Wisconsin fans, for LSU fans. Uh, and, and it was a huge, I mean, it's a huge slate of games that that, that day. It, 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 I mean, uh, in, along with Alabama, which uh, this is a two thirty game, I mind you, for the Badgers and LSU. So I think that's really interesting that they're doing it up there, but it should be a great atmosphere. And uh, we are now joined by the Polish Rifle, Scott Wisniewski. Scott, good talking to your brother. And uh, how's the, uh, how's the weekend been?
1: Um, it's, Fine enough. I um, don't you know. I think earth shattering, a couple shows, uh, nephews, baseball game. I don't know. It's been fine. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I was hectic. A lot going on all the time. So.
3: Yeah, that I completely understand. And with that, uh, you know, like, kind of dig it in. And like so I I told, told the listeners uh, in about, now it's going to be about 10 minutes. We'll talk with Adam Rig from thebrewernation.com. We'll talk with Kurt Hogue. Uh, you guys will be doing your uh, Brewers roundtable talk. We haven't had a chance to really even dive in deep uh, over the past couple months in, into the not at all. season. Yeah, yeah. Not
2: really so, at all. So,
3: we'll, so we'll, we'll talk with Adam. We'll talk with Kurt, and basically just break down what's been happening and, and what needs to happen for them uh, going forward, and, and talking about expectations. I know they they lost, It's not taking eight to one uh earlier today yeah just Philadelphia. up Jake, I, got,
1: I got a i got a lot i can't wait to double it because there you know i i want to talk about you know this whole notion of tanking or contending and why i think it's stupid to think tanking makes them any closer to being contenders but we'll save some of that because i know that 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 could be an interesting interesting topic so
3: absolutely absolutely and you know we got. Yeah, uh, you know, I was talking. You know, uh, I don't know if you heard when uh, I saw that you were on. Yeah, I,
1: I heard. I heard. I. I
3: What's figured.
1: Thinking? Yeah, you think game day being there. Yeah, I was listening to it. I. I was there, and I was having some phone issues, and I'm and I'm listening to the thing. I'm like, of course, I have technical difficulties, and we're still leading with Badger Talk. But um, all kidding aside, that's it's huge. Are you going to – are you any plans to be up at that game? By the way, have you worked any I mean, of that no, out? I mean, if.
3: I mean, if if Green Bay wants us there, by all means, uh, is what my goal is. Uh, and, and depending upon if uh, credential-wise, I mean, I do plan on being up there. Uh, and, and hopefully, we're we're trying to work out stuff with the book. Uh, obviously, I'm in the last phases of putting together the hopefully the the final draft that we submit to the publishers to, to KCI Publishing. Uh, on that note, so. Uh, we're, uh, with that, hopefully we can get some book signings up there is what we are trying to see what we can pull off there. Uh, and
1: yeah, I'd, I'd love to figure out a way to get up there myself. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm a nobody in the media now, but, um, that old kind of stomping ground, it'd be kind of interesting, but, uh, um, yeah, it should be, it should be a lot of fun. It's hard to believe how quickly things have, have come i mean we're in the june which i know summer starts in three weeks but it's summer for all intents and purposes right now and and uh next thing you know you know training camps start and then it'll be college football season and then the nfl season officially will kick off and lo and behold that's how fast time goes nowadays especially i mean obviously perspective wise i think it's just age and where we are in our lives with family and whatnot but yeah it'll be here in no time at all and, and it should be interesting and uh um yeah, I we'll talk more as, as far as credential-wise go and how we can work all that out when we get closer to the to the uh, that kickoff.
0: So
3: absolutely, and they, you know, it should be fun seeing ESPN back up there. Obviously, a huge game day atmosphere. They had it for Ohio State in 2010. They had, uh, of course, uh, 2011 against Nebraska. I was at both before I got into the media game, and uh, both very stellar environments to say the least. And that was really a, a lot of fun to see, and and, and uh, I, I still feel bad for Lee Corso uh, with fans uh, chanting a certain a-hole chant at him for picking the Cornhuskers. I mean, he ended up being really wrong, but obviously I, you never don't. I mean, obviously Wisconsin fans are Wisconsin fans, and it's not that's not condoning them, but uh, you know, it, it's just a very big game atmosphere that you have going on. Uh, you have, uh, I mean, it'll. It, it has that big name atmosphere. It's going to be interesting to see what Dave Aranda's defense does against uh, against the Badgers' offense. Knowing the Badgers' offense, the one thing he's implementing that, that type of uh, his style of defense. We'll see what you know if it's going to be that three four or if they're going to use some different pieces there. He's got the yeah. talent at LSU with the defense. To be honest with you, and I made a joke about this that they wouldn't give up a point for three seasons. I'm not obviously it's hyperbole but that defense is going to be damn good down in LSU. Yeah. So we'll see how Wisconsin can do it. But Wisconsin's defense will also be good. Uh, I mean, I think it's yeah. going to be a low-scoring game in
1: my opinion. But, I mean, we'll we'll save that conversation for another day. Yeah, I was going to say I'll save my forecast for that game until we get a little bit closer to it. But now we're going to talk a baseball, and now we're going to talk Muhammad Ali. I want to squeeze this in while we wait on our baseball roundtable just to get your impressions on it. Um, game one, obviously, already in the books. Game two is tipped off already. Um, we're getting close to half then. but NBA Finals, did you have a prediction? I, I, You know, I'm taking Golden State in seven. I'll tell you what, I thought Golden State was done in that Oklahoma City series, and Oklahoma City found a way to, you know, I mean, yes, you typically have to Golden State, but Oklahoma City, the way they play that, the second half of game seven, I, I don't know, whatever, it is what it is, but who do you like in that series? Do you think LeBron finally gets it done uh, in Cleveland, wins the title there, or is it Golden State repeating? Um...
3: I think it's golden state. I just, I, the way that they play and I, yeah, you thought they, yeah, they were done, but I mean, dog, you hit, but... you, you hit that mark with them. You hit that, you know, I just thought like, yeah, I thought they were done too against Oklahoma city. And next thing you know, uh, they reel off the victories, uh, the, the, the wins and, and take it to the finals. I, they just have, have a great lineup and not to obviously so does Cleveland, but, uh, I, I feel like Golden State'll carry it off and part of me wants it to be because I wanna see and obviously it's hard to always compare the difference between eras, but you I mean, if you wanna see like a dynasty type setup and some people root against dynasty, some are for, but uh, you know, I never thought you'd ever see anything again like the Chicago Bulls. I don't think I ever still will. With the Chicago Bulls back from the '90s, with the two straight, you know, two not two straight, but just you know, three peats, you know, two three peats in that in that decade, I, I I'm not saying Golden State can be that way, and we'll see what how they do without Luke Walton as an assistant next year, but I, I like, I mean, I I think just based on on the way they're playing now, and and uh, Bo gets stepping up uh, nicely, I, I think. I'll I'll say yeah I'll
1: go Golden State in seven. Yeah, you know you did you make a good point. You talk about the dynasty. and that Chicago Wolves dynasty was actually to me it was impressive because it was two dynasties in one. I mean you had the the first Jordan three peat, and then you had the, uh, um then you had the second Jordan three peat after he had you know gone and played baseball, and that's what made it amazing because it was six and eight years or whatever it was. So. um yeah, but, you know, it's hard to, to do. Even in that era, it was a, a great accomplishment. It was something that wasn't easily done. Um, but, yeah, I think Golden State could be that. I mean, especially, like I said, the way they rebounded and won that game, uh, that series against Oklahoma City, um, I think that, you know, they're they're set up even after this season. They're still set up for success next year and even beyond. So, interesting enough. But, uh They're at halftime officially now, and it's an 11-point lead or 10-point lead for Golden State as they go into the locker room. So Golden State looking to go up 2-zip on their home floor.
3: And so, yeah, uh, with that, and obviously with the NBA season right after that, I mean, you've had draft workouts. Uh, Nigel Hayes officially declared. He talked, you know, obviously Jim Polzine uh, had the, the scoop on that. Looking at Nigel Hayes coming back now for his senior year. Uh, real quick, we got about maybe two minutes before we have to uh, break to uh, get the roundtable, all those regular parties uh, involved. But thoughts on Nigel Hayes returning, and I, I think his, personally it's a great a great thing for him. He'll have the ability to, to put up more numbers uh, to improve his, his skill set. Uh, I mean, it's, I think it could be a great thing where you have the ability for him to improve his draft stock further compared to what it was yeah. after after last yeah. year. That also, you know, like impr- this team is a top five, top ten team that is instantly a contender for the Big Ten and could be definitely be a national consideration uh, come next March, uh, being one of those teams that could take it all away.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. Are you there, Jake? Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. My phone, again, having technology problems like it did when I signed in. I'm not surprised. I mean, he didn't sign an agent. I didn't think he was a first-round pick. I think he had a somewhat, as far as I'm concerned, I think he had a disappointing year last year. I think um, he still has a few things to prove. And I was 90% sure he was going to be back, even when he said he was declaring but he wasn't signing with an agent. So it's good for the Badgers. It's great for the program. Not really surprised by it, though. I, it's kind of what kind of what I thought was going to happen. I thought this is how it would play out, and it did. So, Absolutely. On that note, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back,
3: guys. We're already 15 minutes in. It's kind of crazy how fast time flies and you're having fun. We're going to come back. Kurt Hogue, Bucky's fifth quarter. Of course, what he's doing now, being the – I think if I'm not mistaken, hopefully he does not hate me for – misconstruing his title, associate reporter for MLB.com, working for the Brewers. We'll have him come on, uh, giving Adam Rig a quick ring right now, and uh, we'll be on our way talking some Milwaukee Brewers and what's to come, uh, what's come so far this season and what's yet to come for the rest of 2016. This is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. welcome back Kilbasa king sports extravaganza course brought to you by bucky's fifth course and uh this also this real quick big shout out to, to mayfield sports marketing uh of course working on this book project i've been working on with the wisconsin walk-on tradition i just want to shout out to them for helping me with uh finding out uh, some interview uh, ease on that part so big shout out to mayfield sports marketing looking for a former brewer, I think they do brewers now, but former, for sure, former Packers or current former Packers, Badgers. uh, Make sure you guys check out Mayfield Sports Marketing. And we are now here. We're going to transition away from football, away from Wisconsin Badgers. We're going to talk a little bit, of course, being the Kielbasa King sports extravaganza, we dabble in all sports around the state of Wisconsin. And Milwaukee Brewers are uh, into their season uh, two months in, a little over that. And we are joined now by TheBrewerNation.com's Adam Rigg. You hear him on the Big 920 and the Big 1070 as the Brewers Insider for the Mike Heller Show. You hear, of course, Kurt Hogue. Uh, He's been on the show a couple of times from Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Now, an associate reporter for MLB.com for the summer covering your Milwaukee Brewers. Gentlemen, how is your Sunday evening?
4: Going well. Yeah, we just had the rain come through here by me. It's it's cooling off, and uh, the kids are asleep, so I'm ready to do, to do this podcasting.
2: Awesome.
3: Awesome. And on that note, Scotty, I'm going to let you take the reins, brother, uh, with this book project. I've been a little out of touch with Brewers. I've been trying to keep up listening to Bob Eucher while I write, which uh, makes me laugh and then lose uh, some, some my train of thought and whatnot. But uh, we'll let Scotty take the, the reins of this. Uh, Scotty, go ahead, brother.
1: Yeah, by the way, sorry that you're listening to Euchre. But um, here, here's the thing. I, I just wanted to get this thing started right away by asking, when you look at the start to the season, they had a terrible April. They had a, a pretty good uh, May and, and June start now. I know the schedule looks really tough the next three weeks. But when you look at them uh, just out of the gate, if you're grading them on a scale of A through F, so your typical scale, where would you grade this team uh, based on expectations and based on what they had for a roster coming out of spring training, and, and how they performed the first two plus months of the season,
0: uh,
2: I'll I'll go ahead and jump on that first. Uh, I think I think I'd probably throw a B minus at the team so far. If, if a C is average, and that's hitting what you expected, I would say they've been um, they've been they've been a bit a bit surprising in terms of uh, some of their some of the play. Obviously, they went. Won more games in May, than um, they lost, or they either out of 500 exactly. I'm not too sure what the exact number was, but they've had some surprise performances this year from some guys stepping up, and uh, all in all, to be five games under 500 uh, a week or so into June, it's I, I would I would have ac- accepted that,
4: you know, going into the season. And yeah, I'll, I'll build off of that for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll give them a little bit of a higher grade, probably even a solid B, if not bordering on a B plus, only because if you listen to the national media and you listen to even a lot of the local media, the general thought was, well, this team is rebuilding. they you know, they sold off all their a, a lot of their key major league pieces last season to start, uh, you know, burgeoning the minor league developmental system and and to get themselves back into a a spot where they can uh, sustainably compete over the next several seasons or hopefully every season is the ultimate goal. So the fact that they're sitting where they are, and like Kurt mentioned, you know, they did finish over 500 for the month of May. um, Once their starting pitching kind of rounded back into where they hoped it would be. Uh, you know, they've overcome some issues and, you know, still have some other ones like Willie Peralta, still can't get it going. Uh, But to be where they are based on expectations, I think they've really done a a nice job. That said, I think they are about to hit a little bit of a downturn, and it's not going to be all roses through the month of June. The schedule gets really tough, but for now, you know, like I said, solid B, maybe even a B plus.
1: Well, on that note, guys, and I'll start with Adam and Kurt, I obviously want your opinion on this as well, but the randomness of Major League Baseball and and the, the things that can happen from year to year make you wonder. This, has a, this team has the lowest payroll in, in baseball, and they figured that as they were going into the season, they weren't going to compete. They didn't do a whole lot. They grabbed a guy like Chris Carter, and they made a trade and got guys like Aaron Hill in here just to kind of – and Jonathan Villar, who I think has been an absolute surprise. But when you look at it, because of, and, and again, everybody was saying rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. In my mind, I'm saying, why don't you go sign two or three free agents, get two pitchers in here and try to contend? Get, in, get that second wild card spot, and who knows? I mean, obviously, right now, the Cubs and, and the Nationals and the Giants seem to be ahead of the class in the National League, but, and the Mets, of course. But why, you know, when you look at it now, and again, hindsight being what it is, but now there's the talk, do you tank? Is it better to tank because you can get better draft picks? I don't know about you, and and I know there's a new regime, but if you look at first-round draft picks with this franchise going all the way back to the 80s, there's no guarantee that a higher draft pick is any better. Not to mention, teams like St. Louis are always picking at the end of the draft and still finding guys Coming up through their farm system, why not try to contend? Is that something that, if you could rewind the clock to to November and you're the Brewers, you might reconsider again? I'm not saying break the bank, spend a hundred million dollars, but maybe get one or two more pieces of this puzzle and, and contend for a wild card spot. Well, uh, I, I I'll,
2: I'll, go ahead, go ahead, take it, Adam. Yeah, you you can take that one.
4: Okay, I was just going to say that. Given what we know now, even if that's in our in the back of our minds in November, you still have to look at the landscape overall in the division and in the and in the national league, and you probably still wouldn't think that you'd be contending against some of these teams. You know, St. Louis has had a little bit of a rough build it at times, but Pittsburgh, the Cubs the Nationals, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Giants. Those teams were all go you know, expected to be head and shoulders above where the Brewers will probably still finish this season. So I don't understand the idea of you know, spending any money that you don't have to this season. Bank it all, you know, get get your prospects and put yourself in a position, yeah, you're gonna kinda of be punting on this season. And I don't like the word tanking because they're not actively trying to lose. They're still trying to win games. But, you know, they they just kind of they limit their ability to win games in certain ways, uh, which to me isn't tanking. But, you know, you try to get yourself into a spot where you can compete every year once you start to compete again, not throw another, you know, 30, 40, or however many million dollars at it, and then sit yourself back another year from the rebuild, which at some point is an inevitability. Okay, now
1: along those lines, then let's say when you talk about trading pieces, and obviously I think LeCoy probably will be a guy they move, but do you feel that it's necessary? I know people think his contract is high, Ryan Braun, but in two years, that contract's not even going to be a blip on a radar for players of his caliber. Can they do you think they can keep Ryan Braun and still rebuild and be contenders in two years and Ryan Braun is still on its roster? Or do they absolutely have to trade him because there's no chance that they can contend within the next two years? So
2: I think that essentially comes down to what you expect to get in terms of value out of him in, well, we don't know when David Sterns and the Brewers are expecting to compete. I would I would personally think it would be, it'd be 2018 before we can even think about it, or 2019 before it's an actual possibility, at which case Braun is, what, 35, 36? Yeah. Um, and... I don't know how much value they're going to be getting out of him, especially with outfield with Domingo Santana already in right field. Um, they've got, they've got Trent Clark coming up. They've got Brett Phillips and you still don't know about guys like Monte Harrison um, in terms of outfield prospects that Braun could, could be blocking their spot if his production drops off significantly by then, um, it's an interesting. I, I don't think there's a right or a, a clear right or wrong thing to do with him this summer, because um, he could still very well be a productive player when the Brewers compete, and also continue to bring fans to the stadium while they are rebuilding. Um, but it's a matter of, to me, it's a matter of so you get more val. You, you might get the most value out of him in terms of a trade now, um, than mm-hmm. you will. In, in terms of value you'll get from him playing in 2018
1: and 2019. Yeah, see, and I I agree with that. I think, though, the the key uh, for David Stearns is that you have to trade for value, not just to trade because you think it makes sense. And I know they're going to get prospects, mm-hmm. but I'm talking – you you want to dig in there. You've got to get, a, in my mind anyway, a pitching prospect that's going to be at least a, a number two starter in a major and projects to be a number two. You might not get a guy like uh, like uh, Urias from the Dodgers or anything ridiculous like that, but you need a guy who's got at least a ceiling to be a number two starter because while I like a couple of the pitchers in the system, it's not the deepest pitching staff as far as prospects go, and I think at the very least you're going to want to get – the value so, if you're going to trade braun this year, I'm fine with it, but don't just trade' him because you feel like you have to because it's something that you you, you want to get uh not blocked spots for for some of these prospects coming up so i I don't know if you agree what do you think and both of you guys I hope chime in on this, you think they have to get back for Ryan braun right now
4: well let, ahead, let, me, jump in, let me jump in first and say uh to, to follow up on the last question. No, I, I don't think that Ryan Braun's contract is prohibitive at all, not, not only not to keep him because of the Brewer's payroll situation, but also because, like you said, in a couple of years his salaries continue to go up, but even where they are now, there's no need to trade Ryan Braun to free up money. There's no need to trade Ryan Braun because you think that you need to get something back for him. I think that he's perfectly capable of filling like the Jeff Jenkins veteran outfielder role uh, in 2018-2019 because right now Ryan Braun's still the best hitter on your team, and championship <laughs> next year Ryan Braun will be the best hitter on your team. So there's no reason to force yourself into a situation where you're getting less back for him than you might want. And like you said, don't don't you don't need to trade Ryan Braun, so don't force that into yourself. So to, to build, you know, to transition into your actual question this time though, uh, what to get back for Ryan Braun? You know, it depends on. The, the, state, the overall state of the team, um, where you think you are at certain positions, they're, they're deep in the outfield uh, in terms of prospects at all the levels. Uh, they could use corner infielders for yep. sure. Um, they're deep up the middle at the infield, and they've got a, a pretty good catching prospect now in Jay Nottingham. So ideally, yeah, pitching and corner infield, I would say, is the starting point for any major deal that this team would make, whether it's Braun, Luke, or anybody else.
2: I would also I would also follow that corner corner infield and and uh, a starting pitching arm um, to go along with Josh Hader that they have in Double A right now and I don't think there's you don't need to be worried about the Brewers trading someone for the sake of trading them um, I think that David Stearns is asking for a whole lot. I'm gonna be asking for a whole lot from both Jonathan Lucroy and Ryan Braun because they are two of the biggest names on the market right now, um, and the Brewers aren't gonna aren't gonna go for a deal unless they they know what they're getting. Uh, they're getting a nice haul in return, and so uh, and I think we've seen that even over the last year in terms of the trades that that not even Sterns. Uh, Stearns is a part of, but the the trade for Gomez and Fires, which looks like a great haul for the Brewers right now, and um, the trade for Jonathan VR, and and things of that such, where the Brewers um, the Brewers don't just they don't just trade away guys to trade them away essentially.
4: Yeah, Stern has been very good about when he when he gets the deal that he wants, he pulls the trigger quickly, like with Jason Rogers, you know, a useful backup bench piece. But he got two players out of that, you know, for Pittsburgh in that deal, and he pulled the trigger immediately. He didn't wait. So he's, he's very good about getting what he wants, and I love that out of this GM. Now uh, we,
1: have, we have time for just a couple more questions. Uh, so one, this I'll just make more of a comment. If you guys want to comment on it, you can. I still think the way he plays the outfield, Domingo Santana is either a DH, but in the National League maybe he's a first baseman down the road. But I want to know your thoughts on a different player. A guy like Willie Peralta. There have been some, some surprises on his on his pitching staff. I think Nelson has taken the next step. I think at times, especially lately over the last month, some of the other pitchers who struggled really have looked really good. But Willie Peralta has failed to take that next step, even though by all accounts most people think he still has the best stuff on the staff. Much like Manny Powell for years had the best stuff on the staff but just couldn't put it all together. What do you think the biggest problem or the biggest hindrance right now is to, uh, to Manny Puff, to Willie Peralta, say I did it again subconsciously, to Willie Peralta taking that next step to become uh, a, a good, solid uh, major
4: league starter?
2: Well, Peralta, I mean, to just put it plainly, he lacks, he seems to lack any breaking stuff that can put a batter away that he can dominate a guy with. He hasn't developed that put away pitch in addition to his power fastball, which he's been struggling to locate this year. He gets and he gets hit very hard. I mean, guys square him up. in uh, The Cardinals game in one inning, uh, they've the, the MLB has been very uh, forward with this the advanced stat of exit velocity from the bat in one inning. Uh, four or five guys hit a ball 105 105 miles an hour faster uh, off of him and. So he struggles to miss bats, and, he, and, when he, and, and that also doubles with the fact that the guys are squaring him up.
4: Yeah, uh, uh, the quick comment on Santana, I think he can play the outfield. I think he's got the arm and the athleticism to do it. He needs to, I think, focus in his energy levels so that he can have consistent production and, and performance out there. But with Peralta, you know, some people thought he took the step forward a couple of years ago. Then he had some injury issues. Uh, he's long since past the honeymoon period with the, his first time in John surgery. So you yeah, always have to worry if there's something wrong with him physically in the back of your mind. Uh, but, you know, to, not only with what Kurt said, because I agree with everything that he said about Peralta, but you all, there is talk that, you know, what one of the biggest things that got in Peralta's way when he was a rookie was that when he got into trouble on the mound, he let his emotions and, and the mental side of the game overwhelm him a little bit. And when he really when people said that he took that next step uh, in his seventeen win season to quote a horrible stat that is the win, uh it's because people said that he really got you know, got over that kind of thing and was able to bear down and just get through adversity within the same inning. Uh, people talk about his body language all the time, how he 'll fall off the mound when he doesn 't get a pitch located properly, and how he works very, very slowly when he gets into trouble. I think all that comes back to the mental side of the game where if you if you 're trusting your stuff, then you you know, you just kind of get right back up on the bump and throw the next pitch. But when you have a guy who's, like Kurt said, lacking fastball control, he's the guy who pitches to contact anyway. So when he's not locating and they square him up like they're doing right now, then you don't have confidence in your pitches. And when you can't throw your breaking stuff for strikes all the time, then what can you throw? So he's up there searching all the time, and that's the worst uh, worst kind of a situation for a starting pitcher to be in.
2: Yeah, and uh, just, just to add, you look at the... I, I, I like what Adam said about uh, about the mental side. You, the, there's two guys in the starting rotation that, in specific, um, come across as guys that just battle. You got Jimmy Nelson and Junior Guerra, guys that uh, seem to just be able to get into jams and and work their way through and uh, either limit the damage, or they oh. they just they just buckle in and they grind through it on them. And that's what we're looking for from from Peralta. But uh, Matt Garza, um, the guy Brewers are paying a lot of money to, just uh, had his second rehab start with the Timber Rattlers, and I believe um, uh, after the game they said that he has one more. They're, they're planning to give him one more rehab start, and then he, they hope for him to be ready to come back. Right. And, well, whose who's rotation spot is he going to take? And I think it, it was, for a while, it was probably a toss-up between uh, Peralta and Zach Davies, but I mean, after Zach Davies went eight shutout with three singles against the Cardinals, Um. Willie Peralta's got one option left to the minors. Peralta might be the odd man out if, if and when Matt Garza comes back.
1: Gentlemen, I got one last question, and it's it's regarding Craig Council. And I think Craig Council's done a fine enough job with the talent this team has, but there's still one overriding concern I have, and it goes back a few years. Fundamentals, including and in, in especially base running, seems to still be an issue with this team. It's been an issue for a while. I half-jokingly blame Ed Cedar because he seems to outlast every regime, but the base running never gets better, but I'm kidding. But overall, from a fundamental standpoint, I just think, especially a guy like David Stearns who believes in, in, in saber metrics and, and defensive metrics and and even some of the base running things, I think... That's as a franchise, they have to get better at some of those things. They've done a better job working pitch counts and drawing walks, and that's that's a huge improvement. but the base running still really, really frustrates a lot of people and and I don't know because you're closer to the team day in and day out if it's something that they're concerned about or right now it's just you know trying to get all the pieces in place what What are your thoughts on some of the fundamental aspects of the team?
4: Well, the same council always talks about is uh, with a player like Chris Carter and his powers versus his strikeout, and a player like Jonathan VR and his base running. You you want the good all the time, uh, but unfortunately, with that aggressiveness and with that style comes a little bit of the negatives that people like to like to focus on and like to key in on. Everybody likes to give VR a hard time for making an out at third base. Uh, when they're not realizing the times when he goes first to third on a single and he puts himself into a better position to score, or when he steals the base effectively, nobody is you know counteracting their negativity arguments for the most part with the, the positive things that VR brings to the table in his aggressiveness. And there was a, an example, I forget the team uh, that it was against, but he had just had a couple of uh, games in a row where he made it out of third base. And then the next game, had he been more aggressive, he would have easily gotten into third because of a bobble in the outfield and a bad throw on top of that. Uh, And then he maybe would have scored, I believe it was a tying run at the time, uh, later that inning. But because he stayed at second base, he ended up, you know, the the Brewers got themselves out of the inning. And Council definitely talked about that right after the game, saying, well, see, there's a situation where VR was maybe thinking not being so aggressive because he didn't want to make that out of third base, and then we don't get the run out of it. So, you know, Council believes, obviously, I think, in those fundamentals. And he will. he's talking to players. He said after the game today, for example, um, as we r- r- do this live on Sunday here, that Domingo Santana was almost thrown out at home plate on a single when he was trying to score because he wasn't running hard enough. And that he mm-hmm. said he would talk to him about that. So you know that Council does not like calling out players individually in, in the public. He likes to deal with that, you know, behind the closed clubhouse doors but he's very much aware of perception and reality. And I think that the perception of VR uh, is is a reckless one because people only key on the negatives. But the reality is that you have an aggressive player who more often than not is doing positive things for his team. And, yeah, council will try to tell him, hey, make sure you're, you're thinking out there, not just running. But at the same time, he likes the fact that the aggressiveness pays off.
2: Yeah, and, uh, I mean, Adam pretty much hit on everything. I don't really think that – I think that the, the Brewers' base running, um, I guess we can call them struggles, but I wouldn't really call it that. I would say, I mean, the errors that they do make, um, which I think every team actually makes, are are not as significant as um, they've been played out to be. I mean, Jonathan VR makes – leads the league in stolen bases. He He goes first to third on foul pop-ups to – the second baseman. I mean, no one else in the majors does that. And it reminds, it reminds you a lot of exactly what they did with Carlos Gomez. When he first came to the Brewers, they, they took, they took the leash off and they let him play the way that he wants to play. And I've talked to Jonathan VR about it. And he says that, that the coaches trust him and um, they let him play the way he wants to play. And, um, obviously, uh, like Adam was saying, council and the staff are, um, are aware of mistakes and they want to correct those and want him to pick his spots a little better, but uh, but in terms of hitting and, and getting and getting on base at a at a 400 clip and leading the league in steals and um, driving pitchers crazy with his base running, uh, the Brewers have let Johnson VR play and I think that that's one of the main reasons that he's having such a good year to start the season is that the Brewers are fine. The team's finally letting him, uh, giving him an everyday job and letting him do his thing. And um, sometimes the bad will come with that, but I think he'll take more of the good that you get than some of those bad plays.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think Jonathan VR has proven he could, he's an everyday player. And I think he's played himself into some money, whether it's in Milwaukee or somewhere else. And, and So there's no doubt about that. Again, the base running thing, I think sometimes it's just an overall feeling you get because for years and years and years uh, with this team, there have been some, some interesting base running things. But you know what? As I mentioned before, the on-base percentage is up. The, the actual errors in the field are down. So things are trending in the right direction. Jake, I know we've, we've spent a lot of time with, with – I, again, I appreciate it. I know we went a little long, but I've been, been waiting to have these conversations for a while, and, and it was good to be able to to get this release not a problem no no
0: problem
3: and uh no we just want to thank you guys uh and and maybe my here here one quick last question brett phillips laugh funny (laughs) Uh, i i i you know okay i kind of keep it light like that stuff i i kind of played it for like five hours straight and i was laughing along with it real quick uh ab starting with you great laugh or greatest laugh ever
4: Uh, it, it may be the greatest laugh ever. I have the uh, the pleasure of hearing it in person at Brewers on Beck. Uh, he, he kept it to a, a minimum. It wasn't quite as severe as it was uh, in some of the spring training videos. But that guy has got a great personality and a great laugh to go with, and I'm really happy that he looks to be a big part of the future of this team. He's going to be the type of player, that I've been saying this to anybody who will listen, he's going to be the type of player that this fan base particularly will latch on to and love for as long as he's in town.
2: Uh, I I would say the greatest laugh ever. Um, however, it is eerily similar to, similar to my laugh. Um, I had like four or five different people posted on or tag me on Facebook or Twitter saying, asking if it was me. So uh, in that in that regard, it's a little eerie, the fact that we have the same laugh. But no, it's funny. And um, <laughs> Brett Phillips seems to be a really a really good kid, a really fun kid, and uh, uh, look forward to seeing him. Up with the big league club sometime in the near future.
4: Well, I, I, before you guys cut us off, then I might just have to say, it sounds like it's going to be joke Tuesday in the press box to try to get Kurt to laugh. Oh Uh-oh. gosh! <laughs> oh
2: no! Oh man! Mom joke Monday. <laughs>
3: uh oh! That's awesome. That is awesome, uh, gentlemen. Uh, it, it's great having you guys on the 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 podcast on the show. Uh would love to have you guys both on again down the road uh, coming up. Obviously, I know Kurt uh, we will definitely have you on for Bucky's Fifth Quarter. We'll have you on for baseball, too. Adam, we'd love to have you on, too, for baseball as well. Uh, you guys have been great, and, and just thank you guys again. Thanks for having us.
4: Yeah, absolutely happy to do it, and you guys have my number, so anytime.
3: Excellent, guys. That's Adam Rigg from thebrewernation.com. Kurt. Hogue from Bucky's Fifth Quarter, mob.com. Let's take a quick break. We're going to wrap up the show after that, uh, talk to Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, Brock Lesnar, to wrap it up in our quick hitters. You guys have a great night. Uh, well, actually, we're not, we're not going anywhere yet, I promise you. We'll be right back. This is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza.
1: I, I yeah I think you're supposed to
3: Guys, welcome back to Boston King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Always great having Adam Rigg from thebrewernation.com, dot com, Kurt Hogue, Bucky's Fifth Quarter, and uh, the uh, current MLB associate uh, reporter. And uh, real great talking to them. Uh, good breakdowns. Great job, Scotty, on that and and getting the everything rolling I'll, there. And, and I talking. would say
1: I was I was a little excited. I I legitimately was was jumping at the bit. It's it's been so long since I've been able to have conversation or conversations with good baseball conversations. And there was a lot, I mean, we could have went a while. I think I was a little bit, uh, I said a little bit over. It was great. And those guys are great. And, um, you know, I just, it's, it's in my DNA to, to talk baseball and it's, it's been rough, man. It's been rough. It's all
3: good. It's all good. Uh, it's, you know, you know, right now we're in our uh, our kind of our closing time right now in terms of uh, for those that will listen after the podcast, uh, our live feed's out. Thank you guys all for again for listening to us. And we're going to wrap up the show. A couple of things coming up. Uh, real quick, a quick hitter, Brock Lesnar. Looks like he's heading back to the UFC uh, for uh, yeah. a one-fight clause, and then he'll play, fight in SummerSlam immediately after that a month later. Uh, there's obviously some discussion, too, with the way Dana White – uh, took the press credential from uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, from Ariel hawani, the from MMAfighting.com, our SB Nation cover, cousins that actually cover uh, mixed martial arts and UFC, and it's essentially it's uh, yeah, which really uh, in my opinion broke the Lesnar story. And, uh, but now Lesnar's coming back. But also, I mean, the biggest one, we haven't had a chance to really even dive into it yet today. We're talking about the, the death of Muhammad Ali, obviously. Uh, sad day with a man that uh, was known to be controversial, a man that, uh, you know, obviously talking about civil rights, but also uh, his anti-war stance uh, for the Vietnam War, and, and a man that... Uh, you saw almost, it seemed like every athlete uh, that I saw on Twitter would had a quote from Ali. Uh, and even on Madison.com, there's a Madison, uh, the Madison link to this uh, is, is that he actually lost a, a qualifier in the Pan Am Games in 1959 in Madison, uh, which is his only loss as an amateur. Uh, go check out, if you guys get a chance to, Tom Oates' article uh, at the Wisconsin State Journal, uh, Madison.com, about just, there's a great story talking about uh, back when he was known as Cassius Clay going in uh, to a shoe store and, and charming some uh, some patrons and the shoe store owner there uh, down in Madison I think it was off of State street uh, and uh, Muhammad Ali uh, obviously one of the, the greatest fighters in the world uh, one of the most quotable men in the world uh, definitely a, a figure that uh, you know uh, you know was controversial and and, and, and was what part of the movement to, you know, obviously a great oh, kind of a, I won't say awakening, but, it, but I would say just a, a figure that, you know, was a civil rights figure and an anti-war activist and, and a man that uh, wanted America, you know, made people uncomfortable in, you know, and, and he should have back, uh, especially in, in those days in the 19, you know, 1960s and, uh, and, and, you know, just how influential yeah. of a figure he is now.
1: Yeah, you know, a um, couple things. Uh, I grew up. My father uh, was a huge boxing. I grew up around boxing, and uh, he loved the sport. And uh, talked a lot of history. I mean, I was like, old enough to see Ali's last fight. You know, I was a youngster, like, ten years old, but I was still able to see. But I didn't get to see him in all of his heyday, all the time, until years later when I could rewatch those fights. A um, couple things, you know, the the Thrill in Manila. I think did some serious damage to him uh, physically and, and uh, he was never the same after that but it was it was a, a great fight. If you put a Mount Rushmore of sports, and I don't mean boxing, of sports, Muhammad Ali's likely on that without a shadow of a doubt um, because of the way he transcended his sport. Now, my dad didn't always agree with, with some of his politics. Uh, civil, civil rights stuff 100%, but my dad was also a military guy and and there was some of that, but as far as from everybody I've talked to, it doesn't matter what you believe in, doesn't matter your politics is, the one thing they'll say about Muhammad Ali is he was legitimately kind to everybody he came across. And he lived his life that way, even with the struggles through Parkinson, He was accommodating, he was kind, he did a lot for the civil rights movement, he did a lot for the sport of boxing. Um, boxing is... is Down a lot over the years Partially because there aren't Muhammad Ali There aren't Joe Frazier There aren't guys like that You know um, It was a a sad thing And you know it was sad because on Friday I knew he was in the hospital already And on Friday there had been a report That came out, a conflicting report That he had stabilized early in the afternoon But then things took a turn for the worse And then later that night when we were up in Oshkos We had heard he passed away And um you know, he he suffered through some of his Parkinson's issues. So the good news is he's not suffering anymore. But Sports Lost a guy who, you know, not only was a great athlete and great at what he did, but was a, a, a ambassador and was a guy who um, a lot of pe- did a lot for a lot of people and a lot of people could have took a lot away and improved their lives because of Muhammad Ali and, and now he's not there to do that. However Hopefully, people who were friends, who got to know him, who were historians, who who want to know what the real deal was. Hopefully, they're still learning from guys like Muhammad Ali, even though Muhammad Ali is no longer with us. So, um, but yeah, it, it's it, it's definitely not just another former athlete that passed away. It's Muhammad Muhammad freaking Ali, for crying out loud! You know, um, yeah. every life's important. Don't get me wrong, but from a historical and impactful uh, standpoint. It's it's huge. I mean, it, it, I don't know how much coverage you watch, but CNN had it, you know, as as their main story. NFL Network. They, that's all they were, they had. NFL players, former NFL players talking about Muhammad Ali. Has, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere on TV late Friday night and into Saturday without somebody talking about Muhammad Ali and the impact that he made on society and on history. And again, not just boxing history. So uh, it's it's a it's one of those you know one of those impactful passing lanes. like i said he'd been sick for a while but up until last week we weren't there wasn't a death watch for him we thought he was going to be with us for quite some time yet but that was uh that was not to be
3: and it's one of those things where he's a sports figure that transcended uh you know
1: it, it
3: a lot of times with athletes and obviously I mean, athletes make their stances and, and they believe, you know, believe what they want to, what they, what they believe, and but you know, and but really, it just you know, obviously with with what he accomplished in life and and just the stances that he took, he transcended sports, and he, right, like you mentioned, and that, and it's huge, uh, and and just you know, the, the world, uh, you know, lost a you know a person that, uh, I guess, that he transcended the, the boxing ring, and uh, well, but and you know. Dick,
1: I- I'm going gonna, gonna, I, I, to put it to you this way too Everybody's got opinions Whether you agree with his opinion or not Like I said I, agreed with, I agree with probably 90% of what he believed And 10% not so much But he backed it up Anybody can have an opinion He backed it up He was out there fighting the fight he, Not figuratively and literally of course boxing He was out there supporting and putting money behind his cause So you know you, you can't help but respect that because, again, people can have empty promises and empty rhetoric. There's nothing empty about Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali backed up what he believed, backed up the things he said, and, and you know, for lack of a better term, put his money where his mouth was. It wasn't just, hey, look at me, I, I'm a talking head, and, and I'm trying to influence your opinion because I'm Muhammad Ali. It's No, I want social change, and this is what I'm going to do to do. It. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it and do it, and do it tenfold than what I already said I was going to do. So no matter what you believe, how can you not respect that? How can you not respect somebody who can back it up? So, uh, again, it's, it, it was a, it's a big loss. Uh, it's a big loss to this country, to the world, to society, and, uh, you know, well wishes and prayers to his family and, of course, everybody out there who, who was touched and, and, and was able to, to grow as human beings because of um, Ali.
3: Yep, and uh, on that note, guys, uh, we'll come back next week. Or hopefully next week, depending upon how this book thing rolls, uh, <laughs> with the uh, the final nooks and crannies, the final little odds and ends that we're hoping to wrap up in the coming uh, I'd say the coming week or two. So uh, we'll we'll play by ear. Hopefully next week we can we can uh, get back together, talk more Brewers, talk obviously Bucks, NBA Finals. Uh, maybe get some preview of the, the Badgers and the Packers with uh, OTAs on the Packers side. Badgers, uh, start previewing some positions. Hopefully we can get a guest or two on there, uh, and, and we'll go from there. But uh, on that note, guys, uh, really great talking with you guys again. Really great uh, getting back in the saddle again, Scotty. Uh, we'll do this again soon. Uh, for, for the Polish Rifle, Scott Wisniewski, this is Jake Kokorowski. Follow us on at B5Q at Kilbasa Kings WI. For Scotty at Scott Wiznusk two, and for me Jake Coco B five Q, Dozabacenia. We'll see you guys soon. Take care.
2: Accordion solo, American polka played by Mr. John J Kimball, Edison Record. <laughs>
0: bit of the little bit of the little bit of the little bit of the